The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Thursday, November 9th, and today is, that's right, Rico, today is World Adoption Day. And if it wouldn't be World Adoption Day without being World Freedom Day on top of National Louisiana Day, Microtia Awareness Day, I probably murdered that, and National Scrapple Day. And thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where you live on the Internet. We are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And we are now also streaming on Rumble, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those audiences. And we are going to kick it off today with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite. He is the flip-flopping champion in California. He is also an, on the road to be a national flip-flopping champion as well in the greatest <laughs> flip-flopping debate, and it went last night on the Republican stage. That's right. It is none other than the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. I told you, man, I'm about the slides, not the flip-flop, Jason. Uh, yeah. Get it you, right. You guys, you guys can call them whatever you want. They're always going to be flip-flops. Get it right. Mm-hmm. You know what, Jason? The more we dig, the more we find. Oh, boy. You know why? Now, I like to dig. I like to find stuff. But um, we're going to talk about history today. Because the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation reported yesterday that traces of cannabis were found by anthropologists in unearthed human remains, uh, suggesting that 17th century Italians were recreational pot users. This gives us perfect explanation as to why they'd later invent pizza, the greatest munchy food of all time. <laughs> forensics scientists at University of Milan's uh, Laboratory of Forensic Anthropology and uh, Odontology examined nine femoral bone samples originally buried near the Ospedale Maggiore in the 17th century. Two of the nine uh, bone samples showed prominent evidence of recreational cannabis use, suggesting people who lived in 1600s Milan were stoners too. The literal, the literal evidence of cannabis 
consumption in Greco-Roman culture is nothing new. Article notes that uh, ancient Greek historian Herodotus wrote about flowers with psychotropic effects back in 440 BC. And medical records from the Middle Ages in Europe show cannabis was widely administered to treat anything from gout, urinary infections, and birthing pains to, wor- to weight loss. Anthony's about to come in, just so you know. As, as well as being used as an anesthetic. Yeah, but I it was think, Catholics. I think he has us muted. Like so many other muted, moments right? in later yeah. history, yeah. in hater history, I should say, um, that would later put the kibosh on the region's good times. In 1484, Pope Innocent VIII, definitely not innocent, passed a bull or a decreed labeling cannabis as unholy sacrament, banning its use among the faithful. During that era of Inquisition, medicinal and hallucinogenic herbs were associated with magic and witchcraft. For the centuries that followed, there'd be no hard evidence as to use as of now, uh, until now, with the discovery by a team of forensic scientists in Milan. The discovery was made at the Cha Grande Crypt under a church that annexed Aspendale Maggiore, uh, the most important free hospital in the 17th century Milan, known for treating the city's poor. University of Milan biologist Gaia Giordano said that, we know that cannabis has been used in the past, but this is the first study ever to find traces of it in human bones. It is an important finding because there are so very few laboratories that can examine bones to find traces of, gr- of drugs. The goal of the study was to find traces of plants used for medicinal or recreational purposes in the general population and follows an earlier study done by Giordano that found traces of opium in cranial bones and well-preserved brain tissue. Two of the bones found, one belonging to a woman around age 50 and the other to a teenage boy, showed the presence of two kinds of cannabinoids, Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol and uh, cannabidiol, or cannabidiol, uh, commonly referred to today as DTC and CBD. Giordano says the findings not only suggest cannabis was consumed by all ages and genders, but that it was used recreationally, most likely pre- uh, prepared in cakes and infusions. The team scanned the medical records of Ospedale Maggiore and found no mention of cannabis in its detailed records of healing plants, remedies, or potions administered to the patients in all hospitals in Milan in the 1600s. The absence of cannabis in the list of pharmacopoeia um, strongly suggests that the cannabis found in the two individuals was likely used for the same reason it is today, to relax, zone out, and self-medicate. Currently available... Excuse me, current available anthropologic evidence says that the origins of human uh, and modern human cannabis consumption traces back to Central Asia or Western China, where it was used for medicine for a millennia, uh, with the first documented case back in 2800 BC. Over the past few years, major technological advancements in dating te- uh, techniques in LIDAR have revealed more details of cannabis history, including when it was used, what it was used for, who was using it, where, and sometimes why. While that's not that big of a surprise to many of us, uh, that more and more global cultures are being posthumously forced out of the green closet, it's pretty cool to see that stories like this are unfolding in real time. I want to hear what the rest of you guys think about this, man. The late Italianos uh, back in the day, in days of BC, all the way up to uh, the prohibition years from the Catholics, smoking weed. I'm Rico Lamit, Dobas Dad on the street. What do you guys think of this one? Rico, do we know if this was Bacchiao gelato that they were smoking? It must have been, you know? 
they were uh they didn't really uh, use cow milk back then so uh <laughs> it was definitely uh lactose uh, free gelato lactose free gelato the original, man the original oh, land man. races if you will land race huh fancy 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 it could have been lactose containing gelato and it could have been the original lcg <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a, a a derivative of cereal milk oh i see what you did there rico I you see. like that you like that i yeah, see what you did do there ass. yes uh I, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty I think it's pretty cool, man. Uh, they're they're digging up more and more bones. This is a this is a uh, um, um, extension of the story that me and Saint Germain always bring up um, in the immortality key. Now they have lidar and um, they're seeing all these bones. They're seeing all these ruins underneath the underneath the earth, and they're digging up bodies. They're digging up bones, and they're finding traces of psilocybin, uh, uh, cannabis, ergot, uh, DMT, like in all of these bones. They were getting lit back then. And um, in, in the prohibition came from the Catholics, man. Blame it on the Pope. Blame it on the Pope. Blame it on the Vatican. Yep. But they I don't think people understand the history of the use of this plant yet. I mean, we go back to 3000 BC in China. They were making mention of it for uh, its medicinal uses. But before that, because no one's had the ability or they haven't really tested um, body tissues that are still available for the presence. And they're going to start piecing this together because it's clear that I, you know, we don't know when the first Homo sapien grabbed one of these flowers and started chewing on the seeds and went, "Holy shit, this stuff's pretty good." Okay. Mm -hmm. Who knows when that happened or when the first psychedelics were used? But we'll we'll get closer to the truth. Um, but there was a study in the '80s done of mummies, and they, you know, I think, half a dozen different labs found the presence of tobacco and coca in a mummy. From a thousand yeah. BC, lidar is going to help us understand the Amazon basin and connections between the, the Mediterranean and the Amazon, and we'll get a better idea of you know the use of substances. But the church branded all this stuff as you know the devil's work and witches and shit like that, and we're still fighting that. I mean, I don't know if you've heard church ladies jump up and scream at you before, but we're still fighting that stigma, you know. Decades, centuries later. It, it amazes me how many religious people only live in the New Testament and and don't and totally disregard the entire Old Testament. Dale, you know, it's funny to me how they even disregard the New Testament when it says, "If uh, he without sin cast the first stone." Yep. Yeah. Um. I. I I'm sorry. Just a lot of viewers may be upset with me for saying this, but I just believe we live in an era where. There's just so many fake things to be a part of. And, and it's hard for me to say it because God knows your heart, you know, best. But when you claim to be a Christian and you do things, you know, are totally against Christianity, I can only surmise that you're not a Christian. You're just somebody who likes to point a finger and just be judgmental. Um, people take drugs all the time. Uh, people uh, OD on opioids. I don't see Christians or people in churches saying, you're, you're, you're taking um uh, oxycodone and now you're hooked on it and and everything else and you, you don't see them saying stuff like that. Yeah, there's You'll no there's no, out, no public outrage like there is with 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 you no, consuming cannabis. No. No. no, and tell them about their wine. And the moment you tell them about their wine and you go to a, a passage of the Bible where it says don't drink wine, but then they say, well, Jesus said the the wine is my blood and the bread is my body. You understand? Like they'll find an excuse. Like they they always find an excuse, dog. You're oh, never gonna make anyone happy. Did, didn't we just cover a story uh, to, uh, relating to, to what was in the wine that it was actually like some hallucinogenic yeah. mushroom tea with DMT yeah, that, that, and a few other hallucinogens? 
Yep, that's what, that's what we're going to uh, take it to, man, Tony. Um, yeah, taking it a step further, the wine that they were drinking wine. back then at um, when they talk about people being drunk and all that um, was 2% alcohol. You can't get drunk off of 2% alcohol wine <laughs> and just and just start uh, doing wild stuff. They were getting it in. They, had they were getting it in. They, they had an and, elixir. And, <laughs> had had elixir and that elixir had that cocaina in it. That elixir had that cocaine, and that, that was a widely used plant yeah. up until yeah. even our inception here in Americas, where we created a government. They were giving kids cocaine and soda pop. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah, back then, if you just think of the things that they were saying, uh, the crazy things that people say are you know parables. They say they're metaphors in the Bible. I don't believe that. I believe that they were just tripping balls, and they wrote down what they saw. Jesus walking on water. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving sight to it was like, Oh my, did you see that? Hold on, so, that so, so you're saying you're saying water. that the Red Sea wasn't really parted? Yeah, I'm saying somebody was high, like, and they told you, <laughs> man. So it's like, it's like basically all these stories is just like from one big game of telephone, is what you guys are telling me, right? Yeah, mm. did, did, Jesus, did Jesus, well, Jesus really come back from the dead, or was he just passed out for a couple of days and had to, rec- had to recover? Oh, <laughs> I, I wasn't there. Oh, they had the ultimate there. party. They had the ultimate party and it there. took him three know. days to recover. I'm <laughs> <laughs> down. I have no idea. I'm not, I'm, I'm, now he's going to have me thinking about this all day long. <laughs> oh, man, we just threw Tony down the rabbit hole. Your favorite Bible story and just put, put, put it in your mind that, yo, they were probably tripping balls when they wrote this. <laughs> Yo, I, I didn't even smoke yet, but that was a super high moment. It just, <laughs> he just came crazy on Jesus. He oh, said, Yo, man. maybe he was ripped and disappeared for three days and came back and said, hey, Feel good now. Back. Yes. I don't know where I was. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yo. And talking back to God. And, and on that, we're going to go to a hey, commercial. Me? God, son? Nah, I was partying. I dipped for three days. I'm back. What's up? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. That they were given to me? We're back. Up next, when not on the debate stage, <laughs> when he's not on the debate stage, supporting the worst of the worst deplorables, you can find him here at Hyatt Nine News, holding things down. Uh, it, just, it looks like you're on the debate stage right now, man, with my man Chris from Zodix. Yes. But, um, five inch heels, Rico. Yeah, yeah, five. Oh, yeah, three and a half, three and a half inch heels, right? Right, Jason. I I don't know. You know what's funny is I just saw a whole funny meme talking about Ron DeSantis's boots. And yeah, so, he was tall last night, man. With, yeah. with real short arms, it looked weird. Oh, bro, they, man, I'm, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you this this whole thing. They they did a whole skit on 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 his whole shoes. Uh, I love it, so man. Good. Y'all know who it is. Smoking on the best weed in the world today, Jason Beck. Oh yeah, Rico. Thank you, you so much. Man. Hope everyone is having an amazing Thursday. We're almost to Friday, guys, but not quite yet. But I'll tell you what, I have some amazing news for you guys. It's a little bit of a long story, so I'm going to try try to cut it short as much as I possibly can. But this is amazing news for the whole entire cannabis industry and for the eradication of boof weed. 
because one-third of Canada's cannabis greenhouses capacity is taken offline. Thank God. After an after or excuse me, one after another after another, many of Canada's largest cannabis greenhouses and indoor grow operations have been sold or mothballed as the industry continues to search for a supply-demand equilibrium after years of overproduction. The facilities each closing anywhere from 100 million Canadian, that's actually 73 million U.S. dollars, and more than 500 million are being closed for various reasons. Some of these operations crashed into the cannabis industry's hard macroeconomic realities and Canadian cultivators bankrolled and licensed too much cultivation capacity before and after adult use legalization back in 2018, which led to large-scale overproduction and plunging prices for low to mids quality products. Companies also shuttered greenhouses because they failed to be to be as cost-effective as anticipated by both executives and investors. And some were closed after companies saddled with millions of dollars of debt, sometimes owed mostly to the Canadian government, became insolvent. When cannabis producer Fino Group, formerly known as Canatrust, was granted creditor protection and closed its facility in Niagara, Ontario, about 450,000 square feet of cultivation space was removed. All told, approximately one-third of cannabis-licensed indoor and greenhouse cultivation are as been taken offline from the industry in recent years. Health Canada data shows that as much, uh, as much of as in t- March of 2023, there was 16.3 million square feet of licensed cultivation area for greenhouse and indoor facilities. That's down from a peak of 23.9 million square feet in the mid-2020s and the tail end of the cannabis stock craze that resulted in Canadian investors bankrolling subsequently more indoor and greenhouse capacity was then needed. Outdoor production has never been slower to come down, and there remain 63.2 million square feet of outdoor area licensed for cannabis production, according to the regulator. That's about 18% lower than the peak set in late 2021 of 76.7 million square feet. Experts say that the trend could continue until prices stabilize, and the latest example is Alberta-based licensed producer SNDL, which announced in October that it was closing its, its California $100 million indoor facility in, olds, in, in, in odds to enhance competitiveness. The closure of that facility removed 448,000 square feet of licensed cultivation area, equivalent to the size of almost eight football fields. Earlier this year, Smith Falls, Ontario headquartered Canopy Growth Corp. closed and sold its flagship cultivation facility, 53 million U.S. dollars to the original owner, chocolate maker Hershey's of Canada. Other licensed producers to close large facilities include Tilray Brands, which said in 2021 it was closing a flagship facility in Nanaimo, British Columbia, shortly after acquiring it, and Kronos Group, which which in 2022 announced its planned exit from its production facility in Stainer, Ontario, only to revise that plan to maintain certain components of its operations there, such as distribution warehousing and some research and development, as well as manufacturing, 
a portion of the company's products. Most of the largest facilities being closed were bankrolled and constructed early in the cannabis industry's boom and bust cycle, generally from 2017 through 2020. Chris Damas, a veteran cannabis industry analysis in Ontario, said the new entrants arrived with a second mover advantage and lower cost and lower cost base, allowing them to aggressively take market share from those bottom time facilities. He said Canara Biotech in Quebec, for example, was partially responsible for the demise of cannabis producer Hexo's Corp biggest cannabis facility, which is set to be converted for cucumber growing. Shout out to the cucumbers. And other factors were price compression in most flower categories, a lack of demand for flower with less than 25% THC, and in quotes, so the market for so-called factory weed sold based on big volume just dr just dried up, Damas said. He also said some of the biggest costs, such as energy and labor, have increased since the first large-scale grows were commissioned, reducing their economic viability. And in British Columbia, he said, pure sun farms probably put some, some value flower sellers into an early grave while New Brunswick Organogram Holdings benefited from its cash position and partnership with British American Tobacco. In a quote, these different competitors assisted in putting the big legacy greenhouses into chronic negative operating cash flow positions, he said. And as cannabis producers are shuttering so-called factory-style cultivation operations, some entrepreneurs have turned to smaller micro-cultivation facilities, which generally come with substantially lower startup costs and produce higher-quality cannabis. Last year, Canada's federal government handed out 58 standard cultivation licenses, which have no square foot limit. And in the same year, Canada awarded 133 or 130 new micro licenses, which allow cultivation only within a surface area of up to 200 square meters. That's basically 2,150 2, square feet. And one advantage for micro class companies is the quality of their products is generally higher than mass produced cannabis, which seems to increasingly appeal to consumers well 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 i can tell you right now that this is a great news for the overall cannabis marketplace because it sounds like prices are going to go up because there is a lack of boof weed in the industry and this is jason beck for the high at nine news hour what do y'all think about this i think this thank is, god for uh, the elimination of boof right yeah, this this is uh i think aurora cannabis was the first mover on this when they um, they were posting huge losses last year and um, they shocked everybody saying that they were gonna be closing their biggest operations and switching a lot of their stuff over to vegetables uh, yep. to try cucumbers. To, uh, to make more money. Cucumbers. What's that? Cucumbers. Yeah. Shout out to the cucumbers. Yeah, shout, shout out to cucumbers. Yeah. <laughs> See cucumbers. Girls love cucumbers. That they do. Yeah. Facts and pickles and pickles. Yeah, and pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, uh, I, I think this is a cautionary tale to all these mega farms out there, man. They're producing all this mass produced stuff that is not quality. And um, you don't have enough people to smoke that. And uh, people don't want to buy that. And you don't have the clientele. You just you think, that, you know, if, if you build it, they will come like that's that's not how it works. You, and, um, yeah, if the... and the economies of scale argument isn't. Uh... I mean, that's always been the ongoing thing since the beginning. Yep. But what it really is, is the cost per pound is it's only going to get you're only shaving pennies off to have this huge 
responsibility of employees, overhead, all that square foot takes so much to, to upkeep. So they're going to squeeze out a few dollars extra to the pound. It's it's better to have like maximum indoor is like 15,000, 20,000 square feet. After that, the economies of scale doesn't really matter, in my opinion. In the meat industry, they take every bit of the animal and they'll grind it up and they'll even put paste to it to make it a patty, right? And if I, if, if I just feel like if this company was owned by some project black folks, they would just be making weed butter with all of that booth. They would have booth butter. And they would really switch the name up and they would be like, booth. <laughs> yes, they, they, they could they brand like, it. Get some booth butter. <laughs> get some booth tea. But they would take it and they would, they would, they would take it. They would, they would turn a, a, a blanket to a Frank. So even though they know that the, the real true, uh, plant is going to succeed people are going to want that real loud they could take that booth dough and make butter they could make cookies they could make you know what i mean like there are things you can actually do or, or even selling like because you have a bunch of that stuff but if you grind all of that shit up to shaking you're just telling people like yo just extract all the oils out of it you can be making oils a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah I'm so, i mean mo most of their stuff should just get turned into distillate but the world the global distillate market is only so big yeah, True. yeah in, in, in a lot of places weren't ready for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sometimes you got to thought out. Sometimes Definitely you got to be. But first. I'll tell you what those 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 uh those distillate Keef roll joints consumers keep buying those things like crazy. What What are your thoughts about that, Jason? I can never roll. I can never buy a blunt that's already been licked by somebody else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good thing because oh, they don't sell man. blunts; they sell joints. It's the same thing to me. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> lots of un uncomfortable discussions with people who got way over their the edge of their surfboard in debt to try and open up some big facility, and the market price drops out. And to try to mm. explain to them if you can't produce for a, a dollar a gram or less, at some point you're going to eat shit in this industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it still holds true. And I've got clients with money going around picking up these facilities for pennies on the dollar. And now their bottom line is easier to produce weed than it was before when you needed a sugar daddy to keep you running. Mm -hmm. Our industry in the United States has not reached equilibrium yet. So we're going to see this go up and down and up and down for a while. It sounds like all these Canadians not. really love American movies. And I happen to watch Feel the Dreams far too many times. Yep. You gotta build up before you yep. come, not build it. That's right. And on that, we're gonna keep this keep this train moving. We're gonna move right in to Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's an attorney at law who did a can who did some time for a cannabis crime and became a felon, but didn't do no telling. That's right. It is the founder of Armada Law Practice, Mr. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, my story this morning is a. Uh, uh, reason why we need safe banking in this country uh, the headline comes out of law 360 oregon cannabis business sues neobank over bounced checks now i want to emphasize this is in the uh, complaint stage this is just the allegations by the plaintiffs against the defendants uh they haven't answered yet so i got one side of the story but approximately a year ago um this let me get the name of this company here. It's a uh, Killabees, Killabees Distribution up in Oregon. 
um, approached what was called a neobank. Now I looked these, this up and the neobank is a, a basically an app that will um, hook, usually hooks up with a real bank to provide you with online services. They don't have brick and mortar stores to go to. So in the industry, we've had trouble finding anybody who will touch cannabis money because the requirements for SINFIN reports and you know the all the other, it just it's almost impossible uh, to do it. But when someone offers you an opportunity to have um, relatively cheap banking online, hey, that seems like a wonderful thing in the industry who starved for real banking. Well, it turns out that um, this company, um, Killa Bees, gave this bank $126,000 to hold for them. And they were promised that you could do withdrawals and you could then pay vendors. Okay, So apparently um, about November, about a year ago, um, they notified this, this bank that, hey, we're going to need to make a withdrawal here soon. And so when they went to make the withdrawal, they were sent a check for 30,000 bucks. And it bounced. So they took the check back to the, the this neobank and they issued another check and the second check bounced. And at about the same time, uh, a vendor was to be paid. They sent a request to send a check to a vendor for $22,000 that bounced. Okay, so these folks got a little pissed off. They finally got a hold of their people inside the bank and they were told, oh, we no longer work there. You got to go talk to somebody else. And at some point, in this, you just know their butt puckered up because it's like, shit, I've been taken here. You know, where's my money? I want my money. You won't give it to me. I want my money back. Crickets. January of this year, Oregon banking regulators, they, they took away their permit to be doing banking in, in Oregon. And I don't know what they require in Oregon for these neobanks. And one of the problems with these not institutions. You don't have insurance for your deposits. You can't go there and say, hey, I, I got fleeced for whatever and have the federal government write you a check. And you can't really um, depend that they're going to have enough money in reserves because banking regulations require that you keep a certain percentage of your assets in cash so you can pay people when they want money. <clears throat> I don't know the status of this, but Killer Bees decided that we're done playing games with you. They filed a complaint in federal court, Oregon federal court, for breach of contract, covenant of good faith and fair dealing, unjust enrichment, negligence, fraudulent misrepresentations, dishonored checks. Oregon has a treble damages statute. If you write a hot check, you can be sued for treble damages. They also threw in a federal RICO charge, claiming this was a criminal enterprise, telling people what they would do with their money, knowing all along we're not going to do it. So they sued them under a RICO allegation. Um, so we're going <clears> to <throat> wait and see what the answer is to this, if this bank has any answer to it. But the bottom line here is that you can't go to the federal government with a bank like this and say, hey, I got fleeced for 126,000 bucks. I want my money back and have the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation send you a check. You're going to have to go fight in court. And it sounds to me like these people are judgment-proof. If you can't get them to respond, if they've had their, their permits to um, operate as a bank in Oregon revoked, um, the odds of getting anything out of these people are slim to none. 
because they're an asset protection company and you're just not, they're a corporation, you're not gonna get assets out of them other than the value of their stock and it sounds like that ain't worth a shit. So anyway, this is why we need banking because these people are not gonna get their money back and I don't know how many others have been screwed like this by this bank and cautionary tale, be very careful of banking in the cannabis industry, especially these things called neobanks, whatever the, that's supposed to be. All right, throwing it back at you guys, what do you think? Is this bank in the matrix? Oregon, right? This is like Silicon Valley Bank all over in Oregon, right? This is a, um, yeah, man. We're seeing more and more of these bank stories. Um, so they got all this bank fraud because we don't have banking. It's more bank fraud we got going on with these uh, uh, with these new age banks. I'm, I'm guessing, did you say they, they were not FDIC insured? Oh, they were, they're a neo bank that usually hooks up with a legitimate bank. I don't know if they did in this case. I don't know where their money went. So are you saying that they're this bank was like a fake union? Well, it's possible. Well, my, my I, I don't think so because they had to go to the Oregon regulators and get some sort of a permit to do this. So there are some rules about maintaining liquidity within your assets and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when it came time to come up with cash to pay people back, they, they shit the bed. So I don't know what what's going on with these folks. So I have a, a cannabis bank that I use, and not only is it a huge pain in the ass, they require like tons of compliance to just not only deposit the money, but the, the hoops I got to jump through, it literally takes about a three, four day process to even just get the funds in there, then another day or two to get them transferred out to be able to use them for like regular, to my regular bank to do like Zelle and bill pay, things like that. So it's like a week long process I got to plan to even just get money into the bank, like to go buy packaging or something, you know, and make bank transfers. So the point is, it's underwritten, like what you said, I guess underwritten would be the word, but it's, I bank with one company and it's all the, all the writing and stuff is through lead bank, which is a different bank. And I don't know, that makes me weary. Like I'm putting, should I be concerned about the deposit I put in, even though it's being used for, you know, business expenses on a daily basis that's that shit always should always, always be worries. concerned about that yeah it always worries me all of that stuff yeah. always worries me constantly well, and what you're what you're describing is the problem with the um in sin reporting we're still looked at as drug dealers so we've got to justify every nickel so on your side as a business owner you've got to have people who specialize in preparing the information for a, a FinCEN report for the bank to prepare, they've got to have someone there to prepare these these um, FinCEN reports for the Fed so that they're not accused of money laundering. And it just increases the cost. And we've had credit unions here in California used to charge, Jesus, hundreds of dollars, if not over $1,000 a month just to have the damn account. Yeah. Okay? And well, I, I it's getting better. Fee too. <clears throat> yeah. But if you get screwed by a bank, a real bank, you can you can get your money back up to a quarter million dollars. Right, and there's definitely and no FDIC. There's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no FDIC. Oh, it doesn't sound like in this situation. And if you a bankrupt corporation, the chances of getting Morgan <coughs> pennies out of them are just you know you're not going to get any money out of these folks. Mm. They're going to go file for bankruptcy. They've got a corporation. They, there's no value to what their assets are. There's nothing to divvy up in bankruptcy. It's you're, just you're, a you're the lowest, lowest, you pretty you're much the lowest man on the totem pole when it comes to uh, paying out 
uh, when it comes to paying out when they liquidate, you as an individual are the last person that will get paid if you get paid at all. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the other thing too, for me, for instance, now that I'm focused more just on a brand rather than I used to have a cultivation too that I just sold, but the brand Congratulations. itself. Thanks. It's more of, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, getting past that to focus on the brand, you know, and solely because doing the, the both is uh, a challenge in itself. However, the the thing about it is a brand can write off a lot more expenses as well. The grow can too, but the brand isn't technically touching the plant uh, in a sense because we're working under the, the under, license. Under the license of, of the cultivator, whoever your cultivating partner is. Yeah. Distributor. So, yeah. Um, so fortunately, like just hearing that it's like i want to transfer put it into the cannabis bank because it comes in in cash i got to show the manifest the invoice everything like you said for the fincen and i've actually had a deposit held up for over a month before because they didn't whatever the they, they wanted extra proof and all this stuff and it was a big mess so anyway my point is uh the the uh, i'm gonna transfer it out straight right away basically that's that's really what you're saying i should just transfer it out and then use that for straight up branding expenses for my regular bank mm -hmm. i don't think there's a good answer yeah, there is. that's the problem most of the problems i've had people come to me and go oh i'm getting screwed by these banks because they didn't attach to a bank till after they're up and running and had to do something with their money when i get a chance to work with people from the gate we take them to accountants and we set up the banks ahead of time. So, you know, you've got to build it into your structure, your finances, have all these people on board to maximize your income and protect your assets. And there still isn't a good answer because you can't use the bankruptcy courts in the federal system for plant touching businesses. You may be able to, as a licensed branding company, do that. But the basic companies don't get bankruptcy. So the best you're going to get is a receivership. We do those in our firm and they are a mess because you lose control of your business and it, the assets are just typically not there. There just isn't a good answer here. Uh, I can't give one to my clients. We have to get access to banking for real and not risk these big banks closing your, your accounts. I've had accounts closed. I don't grow weed anymore. I'm an attorney. I've had my accounts closed because I'm too close to the plant. There's just so much that can turn your business upside down with these nonsensical ban banking arrangements. But I don't have good answers for people. Same. That's why the, techno the technology's there with uh, with uh, with with blockchain, <laughs> but um, we just keep on having shitheads uh, uh, mess that up. And good luck, <laughs> thanks to SBF and FTX, and it, it, like we actually do have technology that can help us, but. Um, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Which is why we need to pass safe banking now. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial. I'm once again, asking for your financial support. That part. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, Yee! yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. 
Rico? Keep it going. Yeah. Oh, hold on a second. I'm, I'm sorry, Rico. Hold on. Founder, CEO, brand director. You know who he is. The man who just sold his cultivations for $13 trillion. And now he's focusing on branding throughout the state of California. My man, Chris. Thanks for yeah, that warm welcome. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got the uh, we got a little bit of a hemp story here going on, and it's 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 kind of ironic too. But I, I want to get your opinion on the banking because of hemp versus cannabis, the difference. But this shows right here in the story here, uh, you'll see how they're really trying to like dial in on the fine line of the differentiation but anyway here goes the story a coalition of hemp cultivators in alaska filed a lawsuit arguing that the state's new regulations for intoxicating hemp derived products are unconstitutional the alaska industrial hemp association and four companies filed the lawsuit in u.s district court in anchorage according to news website alaska beacon Defendants named the lawsuit are the Alaska Department of Natural Resources and its commissioner, John Boyle III, the state's Division of Agriculture and its director, Brian Scoresby, the state of Alaska, Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dolstrom. Under the state's new rules, hemp-derived products with intoxicating levels of Delta-8 or Delta-9 THC must be approved by Alaska's Alcohol and Marijuana Control Office. Certain hemp products for epilepsy and pain would also fall under the marijuana regulator's purview. The plaintiff's attorney, Christopher Hoke, said the new regulations would effectively make all hemp-derived products illegal. According to the filing, the four businesses joining the hemp trade group in the lawsuit are Primo Farms, North, GD Sales, McDuro Corp, Alaska Edibles. State regulators across the state are taking different approaches to hemp-derived products, which have become increasingly popular since the 2018 Farm Bill, but aren't federally regulated. The Cannabis Regulators Association, which represents state regulatory bodies, asked Congress in September to redefine and create new regulations for the hemp-derived products. So, that's basically the, the summary of it. Um, and... I, it sounds like to me, and I, I, I saw this uh, not too long ago, it seems like, I think it was in Arkansas, they're, they're doing a similar thing where they're trying to define exactly what Delta 9 is, what other cannabinoids are, what's illegal under THC cannabis laws, and what's legal under hemp CBD laws, which ultimately we're talking about like, you're talking about like, if you're comparing apples, it's like saying, okay, all Granny Smith apples are completely illegal. If you get caught with one, you're going to jail. But you can have, you know, gala apples and, you know, red delicious apples all Fuji, day. Fuji apples. Yeah. But it's like we're, we're, ta we're splitting atoms here. They're talking about, you know, Delta 9, the combined of Delta 9 plus the THCA. I know that was the, the one in Arkansas. So it's really... It's, it's like without federal oversight or like a blanket law, 
it's it's kind of like what we were just saying with the banking where it's like every state it's kind of up to who knows what happens oh yes you're supposed to say well the problem still zodics comes from for the high at nine news hour <laughs> this is chris from zodics at the high at nine news hour oh yeah there we go hey, yeah. don't get scammed by those fake accounts out there there's a lot of them on telegram instagram all these we do not sell on online like that so come through to california get it in the licensed stores thank you and only come to California and get in the licensed stores. Stop thinking you're going to go and get it online. That's stupid. <laughs> Unless it's THCA. Wag. Yes, but you guys do sell THCA online. Yes, sir. We have that online. Yes, that's it. That's online, yes. <laughs> not, the, not the super loud. Not the runts. Not the gelato. Not the cookies. Come to the stores and get the good stuff. Get Shout the out to Astro California. <laughs> yeah. You're already problem still comes from the simplistic definition of hemp. Mm -hmm. I mean, hemp. We knew what hemp was before they knew what THC was, because if you smoked it, all you got was a headache. And you threw mm. that shit in the trash, okay? And then once they realized what THC is, they simplistically threw the line at Delta-9 THC, when in fact there's all sort of tetrahydrocannabinoids out there, Delta-8 THCA, there's a bunch of them, and it was simplistically rolled over to, oh, it's still 0.3% THC Delta 9. It's like, you're, you guys are stupid. You should have contracted a, or talked with an organic chemist to tell you that you need to be more inclusive if you want to control the tetrahydrocannabinoids in here. California defined all THC, Delta 9, Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, Delta 0, whatever the fuck you know, Delta, uh, THCA, they're all covered by our cannabis statutes. Everything else is within the hemp. So it's only 0.3% Delta-9 and all the other cannabinoids that you can put into the hemp products. Anything that's a, that's a tetrahydrocannabinol is going to be covered by our cannabis statutes. I don't know how other states are doing it, but California took a shot at it, and I don't know that they got it right yet either. No, I'll oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I was just going to ask. So from what I understand, California doesn't even allow smokable hemp products to be sold in the state, right? Well, they're, they've got a stick up their ass right now about all, all things that are not THC being smoked or vaped or anything like that. Um, California, right now, it's just hard to figure out what the hell California is doing. Um, I got clients that are that sell cannabis. I've got clients that sell tobacco products, and nobody seems to have a clue what's going on in this state right now about these vape products and, and uh, other non-THC products. So I don't know if I can answer that. I, in my opinion, I think we're seeing a low-key extortion of all these companies made so much money off of um, marijuana products, like the Delta 8 companies and everything else. And I think that there's been so many new upstart companies that haven't really like, you know, paid the, the, the toll, you know, to cross the bridge. And I just think that this is just a little bit of consolidation, maybe for the larger corporations that have already established, established themselves within the states and within local governments, and they've already paid the toll bridge. Maybe this is a way for them to kind of, because they're making us think about it now. So just so they can get more uh regulations put on it this is just me just speculating this is just me just you know thinking that this is what i'm seeing happening i believe that the larger companies that have already 
you know, paid that toll bridge. I think that they're gonna they're waiting on the other side for the people that they've paid to kind of break up the small little companies while creating confusion and then you know probably or possibly even taxing them even more, making it more difficult for these other smaller businesses to you know to to cultivate themselves and then allowing the larger companies that have already paid that toll bridge to kind of come along and just you know grab all of these little companies up and you know what I mean and kind of or even just say hey. You guys are going to work under me and I already have the license. You know what I mean? Like, I believe that to some degree that that's what we're going to see happen. And I believe the reason why they're still uh, stagnant on legalizing marijuana is not just because they want to give the pharmaceutical companies control. It's also because they have to figure out how can they put the money that they're making from the prison industrial complex back in because once they make it legal it's gonna hurt the prison industrial complex substantially they're gonna have to uh retroact a few laws allow a lot of people to seek relief on them possibly remove a lot of felonies and other uh counts and charges that was you know on people's jackets as, as we would say and um i think that there the holdup is that there's people who are well invested in the prison industrial complex that just understands how much money they get from having people incarcerated for marijuana use. So I think that those are the two main holdups that we're seeing. People could say that I'm wrong. Let me know in the chat if you think I'm wrong. Hey, I'm somebody that just bought his education like the rest of the people that go to school. But <laughs> Dale, yes, Dale, it, aren't, Dale, aren't a lot of these uh, a lot of these kind of lawsuits kind of just not not making a lot of sense because the reality is that the new farm bill legislation is going to come out pretty soon, and then that that ultimately is going to change the whole framework for how everyone has to operate. And so, is there a point to really filing these in the first place? Um, well, I mean, if I'm an attorney, I want you to give me money, you know, I mean, that, fair, that's fair, fair. Okay. Lawsuits. Okay. Um, so, so they're, ga they're gaslighting their, 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 uh, their, uh, you know, well, I think also clients. too, though, it's the state's grab at trying to get taxes or like paving their, their safety oh. to, to like funnel them in while they can. Cause it's like, Hey, oh, we that's can't been the problem. With hemp. That's the problem we faced all across the country. Is that wherever they're going to make any any use of the cannabis plant legal, everybody gets their goddamn hooks out and wants money just to get started. As the dime goes by, they want their share of it. Um, the regulations are onerous, and it's it's just no. And it, point, it, it it bleeds. It's like even at, at my growth, like even down to the contractors that would come in. If you don't have the right one, they try to give you the cannabis tax, and all mm -hmm. the way up to the city, the state, the lawyers, like. No offense, but same. Everything. My lawyer would every little phone call, fifteen minute increments. You know, we're billed. So anyway, go oh, ahead. My, mine are six minute increments, but oh, wow. yeah, you know, get I'm it, Dale. Get it. Yeah, just, just so you know, we're in competition out there with these <laughs> other. Uh, <laughs> you know, the laws of business. Okay, my time and my experience is my bread and butter, and that's how I make a living. Right. But you know, to be honest, we're too goddamn expensive. We're a litigation firm, and once you get started in litigation, you better have a sugar daddy somewhere, yep. or you're going to get bled that's, dry. That, that's a hundred percent factual reality. information, right there, Dale. You are so so right about that. But on that, we got to keep this keep this train rolling. We are going to move right over to the man whose voice everyone wants to silence. That's right, it's Mr. Tony Montega, and not only that, he's coming to us live from the great red state of Texas. What you think about that, Rico? Oh yeah, it is Mr. Tony Montega. 
I'd like to say shout out to all of my hosts today on the platform. We are happy to be here bringing you guys such incredible news. And um, for Texas, I love being here. I just recently said on one of my lives, I should be here to the day that I'm no longer here. Unalive. Not because I did it. But Florida, they're, they're tickling my fancy because we have news. The Florida Supreme Court has appeared open to recreational people. What happened? As a congressional member, the legalization initiative would bypass Florida's GOP-controlled legislation. Tallahassee, Florida. Justices on Florida's conservative-leaning Supreme Court on Wednesday appeared to favor a ballot initiative to legalize recreational marijuana. Mary Jane. Pushing back against the state's arguments that the initiative hides information from potential voters. During the hour-long arguments, the justice uh, pointedly questioned attorneys representing Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody, who claims the language of the initiative fails to explain that marijuana is still prohibited under federal law, which could change soon. Justice Charles G. Uh, Kennedy said the proposal was clear. Where's the hidden ball, uh, Kennedy said. Uh, later adding, I'm baffled by the argument. Maybe it's just me. The argument centered on a pot legalization initiative sponsored by the Smart and Safe Florida. We just would do, we just did a show maybe uh, three Thursdays ago where we were talking about um, the people that were losing out money to try to fight for legalization. And it, it appears that it, it, it might be working. Which is backed by True Levy, the state's largest medical marijuana producer. The initiative seeks to legalize marijuana use for anyone 21 years of age or older while leaving an additional uh, issues of licensing up to the GOP-led legislation. Smart and Safe has already collected more than 1 million valid signatures, easily surpassing the more than 891,000 required to qualify for the ballot by February. And ultimately, be on the uh, 2024 ballot. At least 60% of voters would need to approve it for it to be enacted. Well, it's clear they have over a million signatures. This, I think they're going to have over 60%. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of the marijuana initiative, Florida's 13 million voters would have a chance in 2024 to decide whether to legalize pot in the country's third most populous state. Florida would join 24 states that would have already legalized marijuana for recreational use, including Ohio, where voters approved a similar ballot initiative Tuesday night. As a congressional amendment, the legalization initiative will bypass Florida's GOP control legislation, which has ignored similar bills filed by lawmakers over the past few years. In 2019, Governor Ron DeSantis called on the, legaliz on the legislation to remove a ban on raw flavors, on raw flowers from the state's medical marijuana law, which voters approved by, by the ballot initiative in 2016. But DeSantis, who is now running for president, has said on campaign trail that the recreational pot is a problem and has said drugs are killing this country. The sanctimonious. Five of the state's seven Supreme Court justices were appointed by DeSantis, including Chief Justice Carlos G. Munez, who also said that the ballot's language did not mislead voters, misled voters. Chief Deputy Solicitor General Jeffrey Paul DeSula, or DeSula, DeSousa, argued during Wednesday's hearing that the amendment 
also deceive voters by saying it will create new licenses to sell and produce pot for recreational use. On top of allowing what the state calls medical marijuana treatment centers to start selling um, products to anyone age 21 and over. Menunez disagreed, saying that the proposed amendment explains to voters that the, the creation of additional licenses would be left up to legislators. It seems like it was. It seemed like it wasn't an unreasonable choice to put the substantial, the substantive part. Menounez said, "I can't see how that wouldn't be reasonable." The Florida Chamber of Commerce has also asked the uh, Supreme Court to reject the legislation initiative, arguing that the measures violates a requirement that ballot initiatives must stick to one subject. The Supreme Court has until April 1st to hand down a decision on the case. If no decision has been handed down, the measure will be cleared to be on the next year's ballot. Smart and safe spokesman Steve uh, uh, Vancor said the current effort addresses concerns raised by the court when it rejected two previous legislation's uh, ballot initiatives. We believe that after today's oral arguments, it is clear that the language was drafted to conform to the roadmap that the court itself has provided in prior cases. Van Cord wrote in a statement, we hope that the court agrees with the language, strictly adheres to the law, and will allow the citizens of Florida to exercise their sovereign right to decide whether to amend their constitution. You guys watching, please tell me what you think. Again, remember, we did do a show on this maybe three Thursdays, maybe four Thursdays back where we were talking about the problem and how the money is drying up and how there wasn't being enough money produced and pumped into this initiative. And currently right now, it seems as if they are successful enough that if there isn't a decision by April 1st, and it's going to go to the ballot for 2024, please in the audience, let me know what you think. And for my co-host, what do you think? They're going to shoot it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bro Rico don't be holding back. It sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> you guys are oh god. So 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 it looks as though I've I've been reading some other articles. It says that uh it says that these justices appear they they believe that they are gonna vote in their favor and that uh Ash the Attorney General Ashley Moody did not deliver a very much a very much of a compelling argument in order to uh win over the judge's opinions on this case. Uh, I might have to get I might have to get a I might have to get a winter home in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not mad at that. Is that gonna go, uh, when it gets when it turns winter in Texas, you're gonna go over to. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at same all. Weather. I am not mad at weather. that at all. Uh, you know, you, you, uh, because of global because of global warming, you guys have uh, snow in Dallas now. So I don't know. Well, I don't live in Dallas, so it's a good thing, that man. Sound like global hey, they really get snow in Dallas? That's crazy, crazy. Last time they had snow out there, a lot of people died because they don't know how to drive in the snow. Oh. And you should see how they drive out here when it rain. When it's heavy rain, they, you know what? I love Texas, but this is, and, and I've, I've lived in California for a number of years. So for people to say, oh, there's drug use in California, second, third, no, there's some of the safest drivers in California. But in Texas, you're more liable to die in a car accident out here than you are anywhere else in the country. And these are the people who are stark raving lunatics against marijuana uh, indigestion. Yeah, you can go to any gas station and pick up a six pack like it's nothing. Like water, literally. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go to Florida. Yeah, Flo I'm telling you, Florida. Well, man. I, Florida I'd man. like to say I'm hopeful 
that we're going to get um, a court system to side with us because uh, the law is supposed to be neutral. But we've all seen way too many political decisions come out of courts. And yeah. yes, so, speaking, speak, speaking, I, speaking of court deal, I have one quick headline I'm going to read for you real quick before we before we wrap this up, because a top marijuana grower agrees to pay Rhode Island $625,000 penalty to maintain his license. It says one of the top marijuana growing businesses has agreed to drop a lawsuit and pay the state $625,000 in exchange for keeping its license that regulators were moving to revoke. STJ LLC, a Warwick company better known as Fire Ganja, entered into a consent agreement with Rhode Island. And uh, you can read the rest of the article all on our website at www.hyatt9news.com. But uh, what do you what do you what do you think about this, Rico? Six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to keep maintain keep your license and drop a lawsuit. <laughs> That's it. media platforms tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos also known as the developing cannabis industry to our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over bringing as much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table our production team cloud media partners and all of our sponsors keeping the lights on and usually our av struggles to a minimum as always cannabis Steve l the reason the high nine news team reads these stories every single day thank you baby girl it has been thursday november 9th 2023 you've been blessed with all the industry's top headlines hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow zodic Mr. Zotics himself. What you got for us, man? Take us out. Give us a good word for the people. Man, just, you know, it's creation over competition. That's that's my biggest thing is, you know, we're all here to create this industry and make it better. So let's do that together and not, you know, internally compete. And all the stuff we talked about today needs to happen, and it takes a united front. So, yeah, thanks for watching. And, again, Check out our, our authentic online presence through Zotix420.com. That's Zotix420.com, the website. Go to our link tree for our authentic Instagrams. Thanks again for having yes, me. Sir. Uh, oh, yeah. That's right. Chris from Zotix. Check it out. And if you're like one of, one of those states that don't have anything, he's got THCA. We do teal hoodies. <laughs>